for displaced disaster victims like those from Yong'an to fight against the Imperial Army was a losing battle, a gross overestimation of their own strength. Yet, those who were cornered often possessed the courage to court one's ruin and bite off more than they could chew. After that one riot, the hundreds of thousands of Yong'an refugees finally left the city gates, backing off to some distance away and changed where they built their temporary camps. However, they just wouldn't leave. They might die on the road if they kept going, and hanging around was also death. So what was the difference? Using the rations and the water that the king distributed from before, plus munching on bark skins, wild herbs, plant roots, critters and insects, and with a build-up of resentment and loathing on top of all of that, those people possessed an unimaginably persistent will to live, and stubbornly persevered. After a few days, they managed to assemble some thousands of men, all carrying hoes, rakes, rocks, and branches, and returned for a bout of fighting. Although this clash was a mess, an utter defeat, with over half of those thousand men dead, it wasn't fruitless. Lang Ying invaded the castle tower and returned hauling a few large bags of grain and weapons. There may have been serious casualties, but it provoked a will to fight to the death amongst the people. Their nature was akin to that of bandits. They attacked once, twice, thrice. The soldiers of Shenle soon discovered that those bandits were rapidly improving. The initially inexperienced rioters had gradually gotten the hang of things, and every time they attacked, they were more difficult to deal with than the lost. Those who could return to camp alive increased with every attempt. There were also endless waves of new refugees joining, significantly growing the size of the group. How best to deal with those bandits became the hottest topic for debate within the kingdom of Shenle. And after five to six such ridiculous guerrilla attacks, Shelian could no longer sit still on the parapet and simply watch. He hadn't reported to the heavens in a long time, but this time, when he arrived at the heavenly court, he dashed straight for the great martial hall without a word. When he broke in, Junwu was seated on his throne, and a number of heavenly officials were bowing to receive a command, seeming to be discussing an important matter. In the past, Shelin would have chosen a different day to pay his visit, but now he couldn't wait and went in bluntly, opening his mouth to speak without pause. My lord, I'm returning to the mortal realm, he said. The heavenly officials were all startled and immediately covered their mouths, keeping silent, not wanting to show any kind of reaction. Jinwu looked at him knowingly for a moment then rose from his throne, speaking in a gentle tone. Shenle, I know something of what's happening, but you must remain calm. My lord, I didn't come here to request permission. I came here to inform, Shelian said. My people are currently sunk in the depths of hell, so please forgive me if I cannot remain calm. 
The universe has its own rhythm, Junwu said. Do you not realize that if you descend to appear before mortals, it'll be a violation of heavenly law? If it's a violation, then so be it, Shilin cried. Hearing this, all the faces of the officials present dropped. There had never been any heavenly officials who dared to speak such words with such gusto and confidence. No matter how highly Jinwu regarded this young, early ascended Prince of Shenle, it was still an act of daring arrogance. Soon after, Shirin bent to bow. Pray, my lord, let me go this once. Just give me a little time. Since the fighting has already started, casualties are unavoidable. But if I could stop this and reduce the number of dead, minimize the conflict, then after the fighting ends, I will for sure return willingly to repent and have my lord sentence me as he sees fit. Whether I shall be sealed under a mountain for a hundred years, a thousand years, or a hundred thousand years, I will not regret it. After having had his say, he remained in bowing posture and stood down leaving the great hall. Shenle, Junwu called. Shilin's feet paused in his step. Junwu watched him, then sighed. You can't save everyone, he said. Shilin slowly straightened up. Whether I can, I won't know until I've tried. Even if the heavens say I must die, if that sword doesn't pierce my heart and nail me dead on the ground, then I am still alive. And until my last breath, I will struggle to the end. Returning to the mortal realm for the first time in solid form was unlike all the previous times he had descended. Shilin felt like something had been thrown away. He was both somewhat light and at the same time somewhat heavy. His first action was to return to the palace immediately. The king and the queen were in the chamber behind the royal bureau, whispering between themselves, their expressions solemn and exhausted. Shailen came to the door and was anxious at first, but then he calmed his nerves, raised the beaded curtain and walked in. Father, he said. The king and queen both looked back at the same time and were stunned. A moment later, it was the queen who stood up first, crying joyously, My son! She extended both her hands and came forward to welcome him. Shailen caught her arms, accepting the gesture. But before the smiles went away, he suddenly saw the king's growing, dark expression. The king demanded, Why have you descended? Shailen's smile froze. Before... When he heard his parents talk behind his back, Shailen had felt that maybe his father did still miss him and wasn't as opinionated against him as he made it seem. He had thought that the king would at least show some degree of pleasure in seeing his return, and if that was the case, then surely he would return the affection. But who knew that the king would react this way, so full of scorn, and so Shailen's own temper flared up. He replied sharply, Why have I descended? Isn't it all because of you? That the situation with Yong An had come to this, 
shouldn't you ask yourselves whether you are responsible? The king's expression completely changed, and he countered harshly. My responsibility? Is that something you can say to me? His fury had made him forget to refer to his own title, and the queen teared up. The situation has already come to this, she said, so why are you two still fighting? We're not fighting, Shelian said. We're talking about sense. Even if you are the king, my father, if you are the one responsible, why can I not say anything? Why didn't you work harder to fundraise? And if the funds were all swallowed by government checkpoints, why didn't you punish the corrupt officials? If you were tough like thunder and fast like lightning, catch one, jail one, then would there still be so many corrupt parasites who dare to steal? Wouldn't the situation be better than what it is now? Veins popped on the king's forehead and he banged on his bureau desk. Quiet! Do you take the royal treasury for a bottomless well that can fix any hole that leaks? Catch one, jail one. If that was easy, if by just one order from this king and it did work fast like lightning, tough like thunder, then why hasn't history ever had a dynasty untouched by corruption? What do you understand? You ignorant child, dare speak politics with me. Fine, Shirlian acquiesced. I don't understand. Then even if the royal capital had no room for the victims to settle and expulsion was inevitable, why not provide more expenses for them? Why not provide more comfort and security and have an army escort their journey eastward? The king's eyes bulged with rage and he pointed to the sky. Scram! Get out of here! Get back to the heavens! Just looking at you annoys me. Don't ever appear again. Shelian had descended with a heart full of fervor. Yet the first encounter with his parents was his father yelling for him to scram back to the heavens. Without a word, Shelian bowed to him and stood down to leave. The queen chased after him out of the bureau and pulled him to a stop. My son, she said. Shelian said gently, Mother, don't worry. I'm just going to make a round around the royal capital and check on the situation. The queen shook her head. My son, I don't understand those political matters, she said, but I understand your father. Throughout the years, I've seen how he is as a king. You can think from the bottom of your heart that he isn't competent, and sometimes I think so too. I just don't say it out loud. But you can't say that to his face. He's your father, after all. If you tell him straight on that he's no good, it really kills his heart. Shailen opened and closed his mouth. The queen added, You might have been the crown prince, but you have never been king. Politics isn't like cultivation. When you first entered the royal holy pavilion, the Gosha had said, Cultivation only concerns the heart. Isn't that right? Shelian nodded slowly, and the queen clutched his hands. But there are many other things in this world that by just having heart isn't enough. You must be capable too, and not just you, but your subordinates must be capable as well. 
and not just ability, they must share the same heart as you. Shailen remained silent. After a moment, he asked, Is the royal treasury suffering? I don't need temples. Tell him to stop building so many temples for me. Those golden statues can go. The queen replied miserably, My child, of course, there's some of your father's partialness in building temples. He wanted to give you the best and have you look impressive in the heavens. But do you know just how many of those 8,000 temples were actually built by your father? You don't know, do you? Shailen really didn't know, and he gave it a thought. Half, he guessed. If your father really used funds from the royal treasury to build 4,000 temples, we needn't wait for the young un refugees to start anything. The royal capital would revolt first, the queen said. So if the royal treasury is empty, where did all that money come from? Your father built maybe 20 or so temples, and others followed suit, masses of them wanting to build too, to get on his good side, to get on your good side. So is that counted on your father's head too? I, Shailen was stumped. The queen said softly, Your father isn't the greatest king, but he's done his best. Only in this world, just doing your best isn't good enough. After a pause, she added, Right now, you feel sympathy for those young unrefugees, so you blame your father. But they're all his people. Do you think we're the ones bullying them? In truth, halfway through her words, the enraged voice of the king rang from within the bureau. What are you doing? saying so many useless things to him. Make him leave and go back to the heavens. The queen turned her head back and sighed. My son, don't, don't descend for this. Go back, she said. After leaving the palace, Shailen wandered down an alleyway near the Marshall Deity Avenue, and as he walked, Feng Xin and Mu Qing appeared in a hurry. The moment Mu Cheng approached, he questioned in disbelief. Your Highness, you requested to descend into the mortal realm? You went and spoke to the Heavenly Emperor? Yes, Shailen answered. Why didn't you tell me first? Mu Cheng demanded. Feng Xin was puzzled. What do you mean? Does His Highness have to report to anyone when he wants to do something? However, Mu Cheng appeared to be losing it. Why not? We're his subordinates. And right now, we're all tied together. His every action affects us. So is there something wrong with me wanting to know what he plans on doing? We'd have to follow his highness, no matter what he does, anyway. Heaven or earth, he has his plans. What are you afraid of? Feng Xin asked. You, Mu Qing shouted. I'm not afraid. I'm only... Shilin raised his hand. Enough. Stop arguing. Feng Xin and Mu Qing quieted immediately. Just then, a long line of demonstrating crowds paraded down the main street, and thousands of citizens were hollering. There will be no peace in the kingdom until Yong An is exterminated. They've gone too far in creating disorder. They're cancerous. The people of Shenle 
had never been aggressive toward anything, and with such a roaring protest demonstration too, Shailin couldn't help but think that something was amiss. Fengxin, on the other hand, frowned. How come there's a woman in there? Sure enough, in that parading crowd, a young woman was leading at the forefront. That woman was slender, her skin snow-white, her eyes bright and black, her cheeks flushed, not from shyness, but from rage. A catching sight. By then, Mu Ching had calmed himself down and said coldly, His Highness doesn't recognize her? No, Xielin replied. Feng Xin knitted his brows. Does she look familiar? She's one of the catalysts, Mu Ching said. What catalyst? Xielin asked. The catalyst for the standoff, Mu Ching replied. Before, because there were more and more Yang'an refugees in the royal capital, and some would go around causing issues, not quietly minding their own business. The parliament was discussing the matter of expulsion, and word of it was spreading. There was a Yang'an refugee who wanted to stay and not be expelled, so he decided to take a risk. One night, he snuck into the house of a wealthy family and kidnapped their daughter. Hearing this, Shilin couldn't wrap his head around it. Why would he kidnap a rich family's daughter if he didn't want to leave? Mu Ching gave him a look. To marry her. It's just that, if it wasn't through forcible means, no daughter of a good-standing family in the royal capital would marry a person of young An. He didn't say it plainly, but Shilin understood. He had never thought that it was something that could be done that there were actually people in the world like that, that something like this actually happened. A sudden desire to vomit rolled up from his chest. Fengxin angrily cursed on the spot. Despicable. Just then, a group of aunties rushed over, grabbing and pulling at that young woman. By the looks of it, she had come out when her family wasn't paying attention. That young woman wouldn't yield yelling, I'm not afraid, I have nothing to be embarrassed about, I wasn't in the wrong. Fengxin was amazed. That chick's pretty spunky, he said. Yes, Mu Ching said, because she didn't come from a commoner background. Her father is a high-ranking official, and her mother came from a family of wealthy merchants in the royal capital. They refused to suffer the shame quietly and definitely wouldn't marry off their daughter, just like that, for the sake of shame. So they beat that young man to death. Soon after, all the wealthy merchants and gentlemen of renown in the capital signed a petition, listing all the crimes that the young refugees had committed since entering the capital. They bade the king to jail all of them, and for them to be punished severely. There's no need to speak, on where the government officials all stand with regards to this. After a pause, he said with a casual air, I hear that the girl's father had once wanted her to enter the harem and fight for the position of the prince's consort. Your Highness must have seen her face a few times a long time ago, yet you don't recognize her. Shilin finally realized that everything was much more complicated than he had imagined. Two sides of a tumultuous standoff 
had long been formed within and outside the city. All the peoples were enraged, wishing to kill off the other. If the king's decree was partial to Yong An, wouldn't that be slapping his own people's faces? When at last the decision was made to distribute some travel expenses to the Yong An refugees from the royal treasury, there were probably also a large number of residents who were displeased. What's even more frightening than a displeased enemy was the dissatisfaction of a kingdom's own people. Although technically everyone was of Shenle, right now there were probably very few who would think so. Shenlin had been standing from high up and had not known the matters of the mortal realm, but his father was still in the mortal realm. As a king, he needed money, he needed people, and in his position, the stress, the pressure, the compromise he needed to make between people and issues were not comparable to any of the troubles that Shedian knew. When the Yong'an refugees arrived, they took over land, created noise, stole and robbed, and so on. To a martial god sitting in a temple, these were all small matters. However, to the residents of the royal capital, they were all very real, unchaseable, intolerable tortures, a crisis waiting to erupt. To think this a simple, trivial matter, it was only because he wasn't the one situated within. Shilin couldn't help but recall that the king's moustache tails were even whiter than the last time he had seen him. Last time, the king said he was going to diet but he probably didn't have the energy to care any more. When Shilin was younger, he firmly believed his father was the world's greatest king, but the older he got, the more he realized that that wasn't the case. His father, although king, couldn't be said to be wise and competent, and was even a little corrupt, making mistakes often. Taking away his prestigious status, he was no more than a common man. The more he realized this, the more disappointed he became, and the king had also noticed his disappointment. And all the more, the king couldn't accept every disagreeing look, every disagreeing word from Shelian. What he couldn't accept the most, however, was having Shelian see his failure. No father in the world wished to have their son see their failures. Every father wished that before their sons, they would always be the greatest. Yet Shelian appeared before him at such a time to berate his own father. You're making a mess of things, so much so that I had to descend to help you out. As both a king and a father, how could he have withstood hearing that? That young woman was finally taken away by her servant ladies, and the remaining hundreds of demonstrating residents continued their protest, waving signs and hollering. They were only crying for one thing. Kill them. Start the battle. Show those young and refugees outside the city walls. A moment later, Muching spoke up. Your Highness, it's best if you go back and apologize to the Heavenly Emperor. At this time, fortune, time and place are all lost. There's no helping. Just as Jin Wu had told him at the Great Martial Hall, the universe has its own rhythm. It was like telling him that the kingdom of Shenla's time 
has come. Let it go. Even the queen, his mother, who wished day and night only to have a glimpse of him, when she finally saw him, asked him to leave with tears in her eyes. How could Shelia not know that they simply didn't want him to go through this difficult trial and would rather have him watch from afar, taking good care of himself instead? But how could he possibly? Shelian said gravely, No, and he strode 